Genre. Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate Spider-Man 2 one Technobabble minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. <laughs> I'm Zach Luna. And I'm Jay Malone. Welcome back, Jay. It's very nice to be here. It's been so long. Um, you know, oh. the interiors of uh, Oscorp have been torn down and <laughs> everything is moving on to a brighter and better future. It's true. Indeed. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, so today we are talking about minute 21 which starts with Peter awkwardly changing the subject and <laughs> ends with Otto asking if Edison slept before he turned on the light bulb. Honest question, really. Yeah. They're, yeah, it's uh it's it's your average minute of Peter's life, really. It's uh, <laughs> not knowing how to have a conversation and then postulating about Edison's sleep habits. <laughs> yeah. This is the beginning of our like uh, little trilogy of uh, um, all of Otto Octavius's backstory. We've got like this, (laughs) this like turbocharged three minutes of just Otto Octavius and all of who he is, and it's a it's a ride. Um, I like the switch here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, I so I did a lot of research on uh, the science behind this fusion thing. Yeah, uh, and the the sort of techno babble because I. I, I was sort of I'm not unconvinced that it's not techno babble. Uh but <laughs> but I, I but there is I feel like there is a logic to it in a way. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. so okay, so I don't know as far as the the fusion itself. Um mm-hmm. okay, so like what what we start here is with them talking about, you know, is that is that your fusion ex- experiment? You're going to initiate and sustain a fusion reaction. Okay. Okay. So, fine. Um, <laughs> all right. Totally, totally fine. So far, so good. And then Peter looks at the machine and he says, are you using harmonics as atomic frequencies? And then Otto corrects him and says sympathetic frequencies. Now, here, here's the thing. So, I... I did find some information on uh, the use of harmonics in fusion, and it has to do with atomic vibrations. And so the atoms are are vibrating and the energy created through those atomic vibrations is what creates that fusion power reaction. Like that's where the power is coming from, is from the vibrations in the atoms. So when he says we're using sympathetic frequencies, so... Atomic frequencies is one thing, and that I guess there there are science for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I googled atomic frequencies and and harmonics, I got a lot of science pages, lots of <laughs> science stuff and everything. When I looked up sympathetic frequencies, mm-hmm. I got music 
And so what a sympathetic frequency is, say you have two tuning forks, right? Mm -hmm. And if you if you take the two tuning forks and you you make one make a tone, you you get one vibrating and you bring right. it to the other one, you clank them together or whatever, they will match frequencies and both be hitting the same note, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But if you were to put one in a box, like a wooden box, you put one of those tuning forks in a wooden box, completely enclosed inside the wooden box, and then you take the, a tuning fork and you you hit it, and then you touch it onto the wooden box and then mute it, the tuning fork inside the box will make the tone that the the original tuning fork was making because it picks up the vibrations through the box cool. when you, wow. when you mute it. Okay. So like, okay. so this is like a lot of instruments use this sort of uh, theory in mm -hmm. the way that they work. Um, and so that's where I was getting a lot of, I was getting a lot of uh, music stuff, like lots of things yeah. about violins and things like that. Um, so as near as I can tell what, what is happening, cause like right after he said, says that after he corrects and says sympathetic frequencies, mm -hmm. it sounds like Peter just starts saying something that makes absolutely no sense. And he says, <laughs> he says harmonic reinforcement an exponential increase in energy output. And it seems like those things have nothing to do with each other. But what I think they're saying, and again, I don't know that this actually checks out scientifically at all. But I yeah. think what the theory is that they've written into the movie is the idea that you need the atoms to vibrate to create the fusion, right? Mm -hmm. And to build it quickly and, you know, and, and turn it into the reaction that he creates uh, in a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. he's using harmonic reinforcement. So the sympathetic frequencies, so you have one atom vibrating, which vibrates the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. The frequencies sympathize with each other, create a harmonic reinforcement, which causes an exponential increase in the mm -hmm. energy of the fusion reaction. Okay. okay. Which, is, so which is why when we hear the when when we see the experiment later when the when the um the little rays turn on they turn on yeah. with sound they go bong 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 yeah okay, okay. So, so they're literally inducing different uh uh what do you call it um, frequencies in there that will help build together to make something stronger synergistically like a choir right like yeah okay. that's what it's that's yeah. what it okay. seems like they're suggesting and then when Peter is saying, are you going to be able to stabilize the fusion reaction? What he's actually talking about is at a certain point, you're going to want this thing to stop growing. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to want it to just perpetually stay at a certain size, at a certain level of energy output. Are yeah. you going to be able to do that? And as we'll learn in a couple of weeks, he is not capable of doing that. But that's what that's what the arms the purpose of the arms are it's not that we're visualizing it by having him like push back like solar flares. But, but, <laughs> but what he's actually doing is he's muting tuning forks. Cool. With the like arms. This, this is going to get uh, over here. This like frequency might get too out of hand. We want to keep it here. Right. Not, not a, a literal like burst of right. 
energy. Yeah. Okay. And the and okay. the idea is that if he did that long enough, his theory is that he would be able to. It would stabilize and just build onto itself forever, perpetually. Gotcha. So yeah, okay. That's I that's the most I can make sense out of it as far as that. I'm <laughs> I'm sure there's a scientist listening to this just like going out of their mind because <laughs> nothing I said actually makes any t- kind of scientific fact. I'm not saying it does, but what I am saying is I'm pretty sure that's what the theory is that they're right. positing in the in the science movie science logic that they're So so this the like the babble in the movie has an internal logic right even if it might not work in the real world is that that at least they were sort of on board with that which kind of makes sense because um there's a lot there's a, a quote in the um the art book with uh tom wilkins the art director on the film who said that like to do pseudoscience in a movie you have to know some real science so there was discussion between sam and neil and john dykstra the visual effects guy about how the device was going to work and they actually brought in a, a nuclear lab uh, at UCLA and energy research places to like get an idea of like if you could pull this off what in the like big realm might it look like and then once they had that underlying base of like some real science they just played with the more fancy looking stuff like the the beams and stuff are that should really be an enclosed environment right like that's <laughs> so dangerous but but it looks better to have the arms you know and the beams and the whatnot in there so I like that even if it doesn't, it wouldn't quite work. It like, there's a logic to it, right? You know, yeah, at, yeah. At the very least, it's a it's a hell of a version of comic book physics. You know, it's better than just right. yeah. No, the suit is going to perpetually uh, build power, and he's going to be able to fly around all the time and drink scotch. It's at least there's something <laughs> described here that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's no there there's no leg day problems with uh, <laughs> with Otto Octavius. <laughs> I see. I, I like that yeah. that you did the scientific research on this because the first thing I thought of when he says sympathetic frequencies is is having now seen the movie you know twenty five or thirty times. Yeah. Uh, is oh sympathetic frequencies? That's Peter and Otto. They're two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's uh, an allegory for that, and that's the first thing I picked up on. Yeah, you know, I haven't watched it in a while, but yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. Oh, and uh, I, and I you, and I definitely I definitely agree with that, and I think that we get we get more of that in tomorrow's minute as far as the two of them working as sympathetic frequencies because mm-hmm. i mean what we what we essentially have with this dinner scene is the future that peter wishes he could have and yes. seeing it in front of him he's like oh i i actually do want that and it leads to him losing his powers giving up on being spider-man like all of that comes from this initial conversation with otto so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think you've got a very good point, Jay. I think I think they they are very much uh, sympathetic frequencies. Sympathetic frequencies. And I don't think anyone could have played the role of Otto Octavius as well as Alfred Molina did. Oh, Certainly no. um, not this version of Otto. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is like th- this was such a heartbreaking fall from grace for this character because you know as someone who does not care about Doc Ock and the comics in the slightest uh (laughs) watching this movie man i was just like head over heels with his portrayal of the character Mm -hmm. and and no spoilers if you haven't seen the film yet but you know (laughs) minutes down the road there are things that happen that you'll be uh very sad about i should Uh, i should hope somebody's not having their first experience with spider-man 2 being watch it a minute at a time while we talk about it (laughs) that would be incredible though (laughs) 
If you're doing that, let us know because that's amazing. Yeah. Because uh, I would want to interview you. Um, yeah. Why like, are you doing this? <laughs> what is wrong with you? It's, uh, yeah, like that he's he can't. It's uh, that's a whole idea that Sam Raimi kept coming back to about like you want the um, you want the villain to be the right villain for your character uh, for mm-hmm. for for Peter Parker and. In the first film, Norman Osborn was like the obvious choice of like, what's the right villain for a personal story of Peter Parker? He was like, you know, the big, big, you know, the the biggest one most people think of in terms of Spidey villains. But for the second one, if you want to use another iconic villain, how do you make sure it's one who lines up with the, the life and themes of Peter Parker? And so they kind of had to change Otto Octavius fundamentally to make him work as that. But once they did, it, it all kind of came together. Um, like, I love this version of 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 auto octavius and this this part like one of the joke i made earlier today that like we have a little three minute sort of like um you know crash course in what it is like to be auto octavius before the fall uh this does so much of the heavy lifting in terms of both characters arcs through the through the film um absolutely yeah it's just really great this dinner scene this is one of those scenes where I understand completely why it's here, what purpose mm-hmm. it's serving. And I agree that it is a it is a very important scene for the arc of the movie. As Jay suggested and like I I I agreed with, this is the <laughs> this is the uh sympathetic frequency scene. I mean, this is this is important. This is a very yeah. important part of this movie. However, <laughs> it it also <laughs> suffers from about a billion screenwriting pet peeves that i have oh yeah it is very the most visible seams of the writing anywhere in the film i think is probably in the phrase peter what have we been talking about for the last hour and oh hour. my god i mean it's it's uh it, it 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 all it always goes back to vertigo to me which mm. i remember there was that thing a couple of years ago where it was like vertigo officially the greatest movie ever made and i i just rolled my eyes really hard at that because <laughs> i i it it can't possibly be the best movie ever made because it has a scene where he talks to his lady friend and says, Hey, weren't we engaged once? That's not how human beings talk. And you can't be the best movie ever made. If your human beings don't talk like real human beings. (laughs) And that, that's what this reminds me of that, that, uh, uh, Hey, weren't we engaged once reminds me of what have we been talking about for the last hour and a half? They are, I mean, the actors are so close to selling all of it. I mean, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're so good, but you can definitely feel every one of those like gear shifts in the conversations here. <laughs> um, to hop back a little bit before we get into like the actual uh, meat of the um, domestic table discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, when we have the, the transition from last week's scenes about like this almost uh, confrontational energy that Otto had towards Peter when he first walks in there. Moving to this, like, oh, we're on the same page thing. A little visual detail I like is in the reveal of Otto's machine, right? So they, they've just had the bit where they were like, yeah, P- Harry's kind of a douche. What's up with that? And Peter very generously is just like, you know, so that's it. Like to change the, you know, direction of the conversation that they, at that moment, physically change the direction that we orient our camera movements. So before we've been mm-hmm. left, right, left, right this confrontational space. And then when Peter asks about the 
thing, we shift axis from the left-right axis to the sort of Z-axis forward and backward from the camera, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then our cuts remain there. So it's like it they literally took a right turn into both being on the same plane. Yeah. And now they're like best buds. It's really good, yeah. I think. Uh-huh. I am convinced that we talked a little bit about Otto's hair last week and yeah i am convinced that they dyed his hair to match toby's so that yeah yeah, to sort of give the vibe of him as an older peter yeah which they did in the last film with the 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 osborns right they literally yeah i can't remember whose hair they dyed but they definitely dyed their hair to match i think i think Um, uh franco's i'm pretty sure franco's probably yeah yeah yeah. um yeah it's you know visually they're simple things, but they, they really do work in terms of like actually emotionally getting you on the right path. Not in a overly manipulative way, but, you know, in a regular movie manipulative way. That right. like, <laughs> we have Otto in the red and Peter in the blue. They're like, you know, sort of both sides of his standard visual motif, the red and blue Spider-Man suit. Right. That they're like, you know, this is in, in all visual respects and all story respects a future peter uh idealized like oh wow uh the he he gave him the like the gist of the theme last week and now he's like living as a uh embodiment of this you know uh, aspirational thing it's great i don't know it's just, a lot of this movie will be me going like hey here's the thing this movie's doing that's pretty great <laughs> i mean when it's really good that's all you can do you know right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We can talk about the decor. It's a beautiful apartment area. I, I also this is just a this is just a little this is a little acting choice by Alfred Molina that I love, which uh-huh. is that when he says uh, when he says a perpetual sun, um, you know, and he's talking about after 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 Peter says an exp- an exponential increase in energy output, he says mm. like a perpetual sun that gives energy to everyone, you know, forever and. As he says, perpetual sun, he cups his hands like he's <sighs> holding the sun in the palm of them. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Ah, I really like that. Power of the sun. That's so great. Yeah. Um, he's he's really good at like just um, this. I don't want to phrase this indelicately, but like sometimes when you have an actor that has to like say something as if it's a thing they know a whole lot about. Um, you can hear them just like saying the words. Like you can hear them like, uh, <laughs> you know, I learned these words and this is the order they go in and pow, here you go. Um, but there's this extra level of, it's probably not real expertise in the subject, but at least the ability to sound like this is um, something you're very comfortable talking about or something this is a field you study in, in for a while. It, it usually shows up most in like, Shows in hospitals or uh, like doctor episodes of TV shows and stuff like that, where you have to rattle off something that is a field outside of what you do, because pretty much everybody that you run into on screen, their field of study was acting or theater mm-hmm. and not uh, doctor things or scientist things or anything <laughs> like that. So when he, he just does this like college lecture thing of after he does the like, you know, power of the sun in the palm of my hand gesture for the whole world, he like finishes it like this is the end of a college lecture he's been giving just to peter on his own and when we move into what have we been talking about for the last hour and a half however ridiculous that phrasing is i believe that this man understands fusion and that's Uh a hard thing to pull off 
it's it's rare. I mean, it's one of the things I, I love about Alfred Molina in in the role is that mm. he he kind of just dives into it. Yeah, and yeah. it's you know it, it's to to go to a, a different uh, character portraying a villain. Uh, mm. Jack Nicholson is the Joker. Mm-hmm. He was good. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it was just Jack Nicholson throwing some words out there and dancing and listening to Prince. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Alfred Molina was Otto Octavius. You know, he could have given a dissertation and written a paper about something, and I'd have read it and been like, "Yeah, this is informed. I believe it." Yeah, um, it's it's good. He's he carries every scene. He and he eats up every scene he's in. Like it's it is his film, and yeah. he is driving it, and I love it. It's he's just wonderful, and and he gets to play like almost two separate fully realized characters you know like there's a version of this movie that doesn't have what's going to happen next week um i could totally see this just being a mentor figure that peter checks in with occasionally and gives him lessons and whatnot like this version of otto is a complete round three-dimensional character and we'll we'll have another auto later in the film. Like what did your, what is your example last week, Scott, about the Butterfingers line? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. 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 Like, like, this is the same guy dude. who an hour from now will go, oops, Butterfingers. <laughs> yeah. And he yeah, pulls I, it off. God, I could, I could have very, very easily seen him being the, the, the Kirk Connors from, you know, from any other film where it's like, he's just checking in and being like, Oh, you're my, you're my, uh, professor at Empire State University, right? And yeah, you know, this is my. I, I'm getting time in your office to talk to you about my thesis. It's just, it's wonderful. He's it's, so good. It's crazy that he can pull off a line in this uh, minute. Like uh, our, our new friend thinks I'm going to blow up the city with this like big old smirk on his face, and it doesn't. It doesn't read as like a a huge tell or a wink in the nod. It's like we've seen the posters we already know the name of this character we know he's going to be the big villain destroying the city or whatever at the end of the of the picture but in that moment he delivers that line and it just feels like i, I trust him yeah i oh, trust this guy it's stupid fine. peter why yeah, are you worried about it why are you being so worried peter he's not, he's not twisting his mustache like a villain everything's fine <laughs> he's just he's just warm you know collegiate Rosie, this man. kid's an idiot you hear how much of an idiot this kid is he's so dumb He's wearing a turtleneck, Peter. Come on. Yeah. Um, Which, by the way, Rosie's full introduction, because we had her like popping around in the background last week. And then in here, she's, you know, doing the tea. But when she actually like speaks directly to Peter, it's the most glamorous lighting in the world on uh, Donna Murphy here. And I just you fall immediately in love with her. She's just she's just great. Um, Rosie. Um, Donna Murphy, of course, she's like. A huge, huge Broadway star, um, like multiple Tony Award nominee, two-time Tony Award winner. She's um, just like in New York, they think she's like a god, basically. Like the uh, um, New York Magazine called her, uh, they officially gave her one of their very few New York uh, awards, and they called her one of three living legends of New York theater. <laughs> she That's is, awesome. yeah. Um, it, she hasn't been in. I mean, she's in movie and TV shows, you know, here and there, but she's more just one of those like musical theater professionals who's just done everything in everywhere and she's got drama desk awards up the wazoo two tony awards for passion the king and i and whatnot um but my my favorite new thing is i only recently saw the film tangled you guys know the film tangled and i really like that movie and i while i was watching it i was like man who is playing the like evil witch character in this (laughs) gothel because she is amazing and i looked it up and was like oh it's it's Rosie. It's, it's, you know, 
Donna Murphy. So yeah, shout out to Donna Murphy. Um, she was like right in, just like um Alfred Molina. She was right in between Broadway shows when they shot this film oh, and went right back cool. into it after this. Yeah, to the degree that I guess I'll touch back on it when we do have the the lab excursion. But there was um, a couple lines in ADR that she had to do to come back and loop for this. That yeah, I was um, gonna say that her her performance feels very much done in post. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they had her there and she had to come back and do ADR. But there were some lines that she didn't want to do because they would be too stressful on her vocal cords because she was in the middle of this big uh, mm-hmm. show. So she actually had her um, her niece, I believe, or her daughter. I'll check it when we actually get to that minute. Um, come in and do like the most stressful vo- vocal thing that she does in the movie. So wow. she's got like a little little family little family voice in there too. But yeah, you know, not Great for singer. nothing. Donna Murphy, uh, <clears throat> she wouldn't have made a bad Aunt May. Um, no way. Yeah. God. Yeah, she she uh, she'd work in that in that part, Mm -hmm. especially now because she's like she's like 58 now. Totally. Um, Yeah. I mean, she was born in Queens. You know, she's a New Yorker her whole life. She's got that just authentic. Honestly, if they had if they had a scene Mm -hmm. with a flashback of Rosemary Harris's Aunt May in like the 70s, I would believe that she was Rosemary Harris. One (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah, she's just. Ah, she's just wonderful. Yeah. She's just, yeah, it's really nice. She's even dressed like she's in the 70s. <laughs> Otto's done his homework. <laughs> yeah. Rosalie. Rosalie, yes. Rosalie right. Octavius. That is a mouthful yeah. of a name. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> is that canon from the comics or did she was invented for this film? Or Yeah, like, yeah, she's invented yeah, for okay. the film. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, Otto, Otto is too much of an egomaniacal psychopath in the comics to... Be with anyone except for Aunt May. Huh, that's except weird. for Aunt May. Yeah. Oh, hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> he has he has a girlfriend when he's uh, in Peter's body. Um, yeah, but that, that makes sense. Yeah, but she, that's uh, that's different. She's a great character, though. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I I uh, I really like her a lot in this, and I like that she's the one that invites him to the demonstration. Totally. Yeah. 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 That it's uh, they're sort of a. A, a a united front here of uh, domestic tranquility. I, I like that, you know, the, people always talk about, or directors at least, talk about when you have dinner table scenes, how it's a pain in the ass to shoot, just in terms of like keeping your sh- screen direction and getting coverage on everybody. It's just a lot. With three people, it's not that bad. But I do like in, in this um, scene and following into tomorrow's minutes as well, that s- because you have to have coverage of conversations between Rosalie and Peter, Rosalie and Otto and Otto and Peter, and in the opposite of those directions. What they just do is they anchor Peter on the right, right-hand side of the frame, and no matter who he's talking to, we have that as like a geographical landmark, I right. guess, uh-huh. so that Peter is on one side, and then either Otto or Rosalie um, occupies the left-hand side of the frame, like they are a team who are like swapping in for each other in advising him and giving him this, this energy. It's just like, it's just more of this, you know, how do you underline the, um, the relationships in the scene and with her, like bringing the tea and doting around, but always being either in that same position in the frame as Otto or directly in between Otto and Peter. She's just like supporting him visually as well as in life. That's nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It's good. It's good stuff. Mm. Uh, and they've got a they've got a nice apartment. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it, it would never sound like this. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds like, uh, it, it almost sounds like they're speaking in a sound booth. Um, oh, maybe. Weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's just, there's just no resonance at all to this yeah. <laughs> wide open ca- space. Cavernous. It'd be a cavernous uh, apartment, even if it weren't also a part of the same space as the lab. Uh, behind them which is insane like Mm -hmm. there's all (laughs) the echoes that would already be involved in just this like big palatial apartment plus the fact that there's basically an airplane hanger attached to it (laughs) it's just it's just absurd but they fill it with nice flowers they sure do lots of lots of framed pictures too oh boy yeah oh boy oh boy yeah oh boy yeah <laughs> well, we'll be back tomorrow. But in the meantime, if uh, you're on Facebook, make sure that you're join us on the Spider-Man Minute Friendly Neighborhood Listener Group and talk about all things Spider-Man over there. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute Twenty Two. Bye, everybody. Bye.